Hello and you're very welcome to Kicking Match. My name is Peter Cinnamon and this is a podcast all about the Irish League. The Niffle Premiership finally made its long-awaited return from its summer sabbatical. Some teams more prepared than others. New rules mean we might have more Irish League bang for our buck this season thanks to all this extra added time. But the Glens needed every single one of those 100 minutes to snag their opening weekend win. Meanwhile, Lauren forgot they had to keep playing after 80 to do the same. We pick out all the big moments from Game Week 1 of Top 5 Football. We even take a look at the Championship this week before we preview all of this weekend's biggest games. So unpack that suitcase, press that shirt, as we're back to Porridge now, my friends. We're off the side road, onto the motorway. The race for Gibbo is on. Yes, some big wagons, they haven't even got their engine started. But that doesn't matter. The black and white flag is down and there was plenty of fireworks to keep us entertained. And here to hold my hand and reflect on all the Catherine wheels and sparklers that went down this weekend. It is a return for football writer and blogger Lewis Bennett. Hello, Lewis. Nice things, Peter. I'm all good. I am delighted that we can look back and say... What an exciting, what a drama-filled weekend. Because, you know, one year in the future, it's not going to be as much crack. But this weekend had so much crack. Loads of goals, the odd surprise along the way. But before we sink our teeth into all that, I just wanted to say a massive thank you for everybody that checked out last weekend's podcast. A record-breaker in this podcast history huge week i really appreciate it if you're new to the podcast thank you so much for giving it a go if you're listening to me for the first time you haven't checked out last weekend's podcast go check that out you can do it now you can can do it after but there's gonna be plenty of things that we talked about last week that we're gonna want to cover so thank you for doing that if you haven't already you can subscribe to the podcast on spotify or whatever you fancy but let's get into these games and let's go to the home of the champions it was supposed to be plain sailing for them europe didn't work out but they had some relegation fodder at home at an evening to deal with and it looked like it was gonna be a walk in the park it was gonna be a little dawdle there was a goal back but you know what they were three one up they were four one up and they were coasting lauren should be sitting here top of the table most goals scored biggest win Football doesn't work out that way. Can I ask you this, Lewis? At what point, when you were looking through the scores, did you just decide, you know what, it's all over. I'm going to stick, turn off the TV. I'm going to put Twitter to the side. It's over because Lauren have won this. Because I think plenty of us at one point said, yeah, game over. Oh, incredible. I mean, I don't think anybody saw that coming. That's the beauty of the Irish League. Lee Bonus, what a superb goal. Absolutely brilliant finish that made it 4-1 to Larn. 10 minutes to go. The champions, who had obviously such a mean defensive record last year, you're thinking in that moment that they're home and hosed. But to be fair to Dungannon, they came out and they responded, and in some style. Ben Gallagher's goal, thing of beauty, lovely turn. I think it had been his first goal in 27 games, I heard. And what a way to, to get back on the goal trail with a finish like that, picking out the top right corner. After that, from Tomas Galvin, the um, chip finish. Rowan Ferguson, perhaps not quite having full check of his bearings, but Galvin still had a lot of work to do. And it was a lovely uh, side foot finish over the top of the keeper and in. And then Dean Curry in the last minute. I mean, I, I was impressed with a lot of things that I saw from Dungannon. Like the, they started with quite a pragmatic setup with three centre backs who held their own for large periods. And when Bonus scored to make it 4 1, it felt a little bit flattering to Larn, I thought. But at the end of the game, like that's just chaotic. I mean, Larn only conceded five goals at home the entirety of last season. They conceded four on the opening night here and three in the last five minutes. I mean, you can't write those scripts, can you? I have so much to say about this game. It's going to feel like real scattergun where I'm just picking out another thought out of the air. But let's start with the team who will feel as though this is a mega victory. And let's give Roddy Macquarie his flowers on his return to the dugout for Dungannon. Three of those goal scorers in the last technically 10 minutes of the game, but with only five minutes to go, 
all substitutes. He takes over this team, a team who had a really long end of the season that could have given them a whole load of transfer headaches. No doubt it did. He had to reshape this team so they were not going to get stuck in the mire that they've been over the past few years. First thing he does, three at the back. It is 2023 after all in the Irish League. You gotta do it. Seemingly, it's like, like a mandate. You've got to have three at the back. Watching this game, the days of the way Dean Shields set up this team are gone. It might come back with another team, a bit like Furby's or something else. But here, we're going back to real classic Irish League stuff here because yes, they had three at the back, but this was a really down to earth, back to basics Dungannon performance. Long balls trying to run into space, eager runners out wide and really just trying to attack the space in that way. They look really composed. They looked a lot more confident on the ball. There's a few niggles that have been there for a couple of years. Conceding four goals is a very Dungannon thing to do over the past few years. And let's not talk about Lauren having a, a dreadful day at the office for 90 minutes. That wasn't the case at all. They look strong. They look determined. They look to have that little bit of class and skill. And, and you pick out a few of those goals that really came from a little great delivery here or there for Thomas Cosgo's goal. Determination from Lee Bonus. Seeing that gap and just beating the offside trap. And then being very selfless to give the ball to Andy Ryan. What an incredible piece of skill. I think that really proves to me the difference between full-time and part-time. I don't think a part-time footballer does what Lee Bonus does for that fourth goal because I don't think you have the amount of hours and reps. That's somebody who's just caught in football where he just thinks, yeah, I have the space and time and the quickness to go, I'm going to dink this. And, and the way he was able to do it with such precision was amazing. So well done, Lauren, up until 85 minutes. But the real frustrating thing must be if you're a Lauren fan is that not that you were outplayed, not that you were down to 10 men and you let it go. It's that in many ways, the way they lost this game is simple mistakes that you can just avoid. And it's not the one goal or, or two goals. It's three goals that you let slip. And the ramifications this might have, I know it's early days, could extend all season long. Let's talk about that first goal. A nice bit of composure as well for Ben Gallagher. It's just a long ball. This was long balls that they were pumping through all game. None of the defence get back to the penalty box to feel confident enough to get a header on it. It bounces. Big no-no. Ferguson comes out of goal, doesn't deal with it. Doesn't stick his neck on the line to make sure that once it bounces for the second time, that it's going nowhere. And well done, Ben Gallagher. Steal a yard. A nice little dink of your own. But then it's approaching 90. And Thomas Galvin. Termination. Fight getting that goal and it just felt you know we'll talk about the final goal which was just disappointing from a set play that's probably the one the most forgivable of them all as much as you never want to concede from set piece that's the most forgivable but there's no way you're not looking at this and saying well done Dungannon clearly a lot more solid a lot more heart a lot more fight and just have that ability to rise to the occasion you said it there's four goals conceded that's like a fifth of all the goals, pretty much what they conceded last season, almost all the goals that they conceded at home. Lauren capitulated. Simple as that. And if they are to defend this title, that needs to be nipped in the bud now. Oh, definitely. I think Tiernan Lynch will be hoping that's, uh, that's his players getting it out of the system nice and early. To be in that position, I think for any team to be 4-1 up, five minutes on the clock, like your main... Objective should be, of course, seeing the result out. You're in a commanding position. It was uncharacteristic of Lauren. I think that was the biggest shock about it. Was it was uncharacteristic, and a big reason why they won the title was that strengthening in defence and and Rowan Ferguson keeping so many clean sheets and seeing those sorts of goals that Lauren will will look at as as avoidable goals that they conceded. It's obviously poor on their part, but then again, also coming back to Dungannon is. Obviously, Rodney Macquarie did impressive work in his, his half-season in charge at Glentoran. They were in an awkward position when he took over and, and he managed to get them into the European playoff and, and obviously beat Cliftonville in the final. And it seems like he has came back for a second stint and, and taken that experience on board and, and continued to ride the crest of a wave. I thought it was very clever for Macquarie. Certainly played played his cards right it's with with the substitutes going out and playing attacking football that sort of shift I thought they managed that very well 
full credit to Dungannon. That's that'll feel like a win to them and, and it'll really boost their momentum because obviously now they've got Linfield and Crusaders next. Doesn't get any easier. So I think to get even a point in the manner that they did, that'll really boost confidence in the camp. Those teams will not want to go against Dungannon now. That that is how well I feel Dungannon looked by the end of this game. Well done, Macquarie. I think this shows as a a managerial performance, I think this is as assured as you can look. Going back to Lauren, this type of performance is something I really was concerned was going to happen. I, I thought there was going to be a draw in this game. I didn't expect it was going to be a 4-4, but this is kind of what I thought was going to happen is that they take their foot off the gas. They're just not first to those balls. They let a ball bounce. There, there was a lot of laxatical marking like particularly the, for that second goal for Dungannon there's just no closing down there I know you're 4-1 up but I know that's going to be the first thing that Taylor Lynch is pointing to and and as well as that there is still for me a big Sule hole that's in there it's clear right now Sloan seems to be the one that's earmarked to fill that and he gets a goal but that is a big hole to fill and then you also have injuries Bolger was out at, at, at the back. There's still positives. Lee Bonus still looks brilliant. Andy Ryan still going for it. You've got plenty of reserves in attack. Going forward, this is weird because they conceded so few last year. Going forward for Lauren, I'm actually not that concerned about because you have these four main strikers. We'll see what Westendorf has to offer. It's perhaps just at the back and, and can they sharpen themselves up again? Even though man for man, the talent is there and big credit goes to Levi Ives. He thought he, he, he gives him definitely something different compared to me, all Glenn. I thought he was, he was very assured and just got rough and ready, got the tackles in. So at least it was only a point that they dropped down to, but that will feel second and forlorn and they've got a big, big game coming up. But we'll go from Monday back to Friday and another surprise, at least from what I thought was going to go down early doors, Balamina take the lead against Corain. Corain going into the season very much in the fans' eyes, wondering how is this going to go? Can we get a good start? That's what they're after. Balamina have got this devil's gauntlet to start the season. And for a time, they must have thought, ah, here we go. New signing, doing all right. A, a brilliant header from Colin Coates. Rose above everybody. Uh, disappointed, I think it was O'Donnell that, that, that really missed the marker there. But Corian really showed what I think they had in the tank. Attack, attack attack they blitzed Balamina interesting setup it felt as though they had like three defenders and then just <laughs> six attackers it was like it was just it's almost Man City-esque everybody forward and boy did everybody look good Glacken picked up the ball finding different spaces McKendry at his rapid best lots to like about this Corey inside I thought yeah I agree and obviously Matthew Shevlin picking up where he left off last season a couple more goals for him and that's what I like about Corin is that they trusted themselves in their creativity because there's a lot of creativity in that team. And you mentioned two of them with Connor McKentry, who I thought was absolutely out of this world, man of the match. And, and Jimmy Glacken, who is so confident with the ball, confident to do things. Shevlin obviously has hit the mark to, I think, fairly typical Matthew Shevlin finishes as well. It feels like I've seen those goals about five times before. Yeah, he is a true penalty box predator I think one of the purest types in this league and and if you get the ball to him in that sort of area you know he, he'll always have the capacity to do damage and Balamina Jim Irvin thought he was off to the dream start there it was a really good header I thought from Colin Coates really well placed good power and a good connection and obviously the interesting observation was Colin Coates wearing the captain's armband on his competitive debut which to me speaks for itself it's a real trust from Jim Irvin in, in Coates' undoubted leadership qualities and ability to, to marshal a defence, obviously contributing at the other end of the pitch on that occasion, and I suspect it will be his last set-piece goal this season. Balamina had obviously started in that bright fashion, and Corian responded well, you have to say. Davey McDade coming in as well. I thought he looked sharp. He's, he's a slightly different type of player. He is somebody who can penetrate defensive lines but obviously Shevlin is is a goal scorer and he'll certainly be looking to to still take the mantle going forward but I think that offers Coleraine 
a lot of flexibility in terms of their movement and attack. It really does. I was surprised to see both Shevlin and McDade starting first game in. I was surprised by that. I thought that was not a plan B per se, but it is plan two or three rather than like, let's, because it was a big change to do. And you go a goal down, you think, oh, you haven't got this right here. Yes, it comes from a, a bit of a smash and grab set piece. But it worked, didn't it, having two up top? Yeah, I'd say so. And again, that was a criticism last season was that in some sense, Coleraine were a little bit over-dependent on Matthew Shevlin to, to kind of apply the finishing touch. McDade, obviously, from his time at Lauren and Balamina, maybe not quite to the same extent, but still with the same qualities. Um, he is someone who can certainly chip in in the goal ranks, you know, especially from his time at Lauren, you know, a regular double-digit goal scorer. I think he topped the scoring charts, I think, in the first three seasons that, that Lauren were back in the Premiership. So he's still got a bit about him. He's still got a yard of pace, and he has the ability to occupy defenders and sort of drag them out of position. That gives Coleraine a whole new dimension, I think. It's, it's why everybody had two strikers because oftentimes the other player's goal is made by the other player's movement. It's to draw attention away. In many ways, Shevin's best friend might be David McDade on the other side of the box. But the question will now be, I know it's early days for Coleraine, is can they do what they didn't do last season? Because we saw a different glimpse of this last season, but we saw them being ferocious like this can those players be consistent can glacken and McKendry do that week and week out even andy scott who had lovely bits of skill and and really progressive passing can they do that every week can they keep up the energy of the fitness to do this even for an entire 90 minutes it's different when you've got balamina at home there in the back foot and you're just throwing everybody at them and all they have is kind of a long ball and it was a difficult night for Balamina. this is a team that's really got a lot of time to find themselves and it's not going to be easy with what they've got coming up coach look assured but look you look at that first goal just a bit of a scattering around at the back gives away a the corner which they're not alert to then the goal comes but nothing showcases like this free-flowing play quite like the second goal which just seemed to be build-up play that lasted for about a minute beforehand and then there's the shevlin to do what looks like the easiest thing in the world just to be at the back post ping it in but the patience that that's where the high level of skill that he has so balamina they'll go again next week i don't really know what i know about them what i do know about Coleraine is that They've got the firepower. They've got the on-the-ball attackers that I think can be real difference makers and should be different makers in these big games against Cliftonville, Crusaders, all those top teams. When it's nil-nil, 20 minutes to go, I can see the players that are going to get those goals when it's a draw or they need to get a goal to get back in this. The question is, will they be too open at the back for these other teams because Balamina couldn't capitalize on it they don't have the the, the man part of the skill level but when you go up the league particularly away from home I think they will but let's give it to them well done Corrain they're even early they're near the top of the table but let's go to the game from the team that is at the top of the table a team that knows how to win they've done it for the past year and a half but they haven't done it in this league before what a perfect start. I told you last week, I believe in this lock-all team. And in hindsight, it feels like that Newry game was actually the perfect fixture that they could have. Away from home, a team that would be similar level is probably downplaying the quality that Newry has compared to some of the championship teams. But this was not going to one of the top six teams. This is a, a team that they just need to step up. And in many ways, lock-all, I'm sure Andy Smith, who's in for Dean Smith, told his players play your own game and that's exactly what Lockall did they played their own game they played the style of football they played exactly the type of game that they would have done against the top teams in the championship the Annas and and, and the warm points of last season and they just capitalized at a Newry showgrounds against a Newry team which has a bit of work to do but the most important thing is they capitalize it three nil winners if it wasn't with that 4-4 this is the result of the weekend Oh, absolutely. Um, I had a feeling about Lockall, to be honest, before the start of the season. Dean Smith's obviously done superb work there. They won the league on the back of successive third-place finishes in the championship, so they've been up there and thereabouts. What's impressed me 
perhaps most of all is there doesn't seem to be a panic button there either. I mean, even coming up to the Premiership, they've trusted, I think, almost the entirety of their playing squad from last season. Obviously, it was one of the new boys, Keelan Lochran, or new-ish boys, who, who came on and, and obviously got a couple uh, in the first half. Um, the penalty um, from Nathaniel Ferris, who had been there for a good few years. They've not signed too many new players. They've trusted a lot of the players that they had last season, and, and it, it seems to have paid off for them early doors. Nuri, mm-hmm. uh, obviously, it's Gary Boyle's first game in charge. Felt a bit like a baptism of fire, obviously. Lockall were were 3-0 up inside 26 minutes. So they got off to a really fast start. Perhaps it was a little bit too quick for Nuri to to respond to on that occasion. And looking at Nuri, still a good squad. They've got Adam Sally, who was in his time at Ards, was top scorer uh, in the championship last season. He's come back to the premiership with Nuri. And Lee Newell, who had built up a reputation as as a real sharpshooter at Rath Ryland and impressed for more than than just his his play on the ball. Nuri have they have pieces there, but I think Lockall sort of in the early stages just kind of blew them away. It's a really disappointing day if you're of a Nuri persuasion because three 0 down, twenty six minutes gone, the game's pretty much over. But if you look at it as a played out, that goal first goal that comes in ten minutes. That was somewhat coming. There had been a few chances. Lockall just started really fast, really confident. Nuri had to deal with, I believe, the lost scullion in the warm-up. So they had to rejig their team close to kickoff. But Lockall were confident. They played their own game. They exploited the space out wide. And they take the lead. Then there's a penalty on 23 minutes, which felt a tad harsh. But look, this is what happens. You're 2-0 down. You're trying to put men forward you get caught a wee bit again from another nice cross out wide from Lockall and that gives him such confidence the rest of the game Nuri had their own patch where they were they were putting a bit more pressure but it never felt slick it never felt fluid in the same way that Lockall had these wonderful patches of play where they're just threatening out wide running at, at defenders Nuri just looked a bit a bit all over the place at times and that's now going to be Gary Boyle's job. One win does not ruin your season, but there's already a bit of pressure on you when you have a team that's probably going to be your rival down near the bottom coming in and getting points. But there's not panic. They, they've got time to bet in. Not a huge amount, but time to get this right. And it doesn't get helped by, look, it was a very silly red card that Thomas Lockhart got. But this is Lockall's day. That is the perfect start for them. And... I think you saw a lot what I saw last season. I, I think they had this in them and it's probably the best thing they can do is to have a mind like a goldfish and to just forget about it. If, you know, the, the next few games, if they get beat, thumped away against top six side, forget about it and just go into these games against the teams in the bottom six with the same type of confidence and assuredness and they will trouble them. Because it's not an area of the league that has a lot of teams who are ready to puff their chest out. And Lockall should be as confident as they are. Wrapping up our game week is a fixture that was not a particularly favourable one from a Glentoran perspective. From all three games, they didn't get a win out of any of them. In fact, they lost to Drew 1. And for most of this game, it looked as though it was going to be the same old story. Just not being able to get into the higher gears... The time fades away. Glenavon do a bit of gamesmanship to run the clock down. And one of the, the big bits of news from this opening weekend is the rules that have really been spawned for the World Cup last uh, winter where any faffing, any tomfoolery is going to get added on. So we've got these big, long stretches of injury time and Glentor needed every single minute of it. They huffed and they puffed Glenavon had their own little times on goal, but it is early, but you feel as though this result, getting a winner in this in the way that they did, if there's going to be green, red and black ribbons, as they often say around this trophy at the end of the season, this game will have something to say about it. Get out of jail, free card for Glentoran, huge result this early in the season, 1-0 away. Oh, absolutely. They grinded out in the end. And Glenavon, having picked up seven out of nine points against them last season, 
Warren Feeney putting that right very quickly in the first game, his first game in charge of Glenn Torrin in the Premiership. And Jay Donnelly got it. It was late. Shea McCartan dropped ball, did well, drove towards the byline, and it was a very well-weighted cutback. It's just the perfect weight, and, and Jay Donnelly was alert. And he is a player who, obviously, there was talk that Derry City wanted Jim, um, Jay Donnelly in deals for Jamie McGonagall, uh, and that Warren Feeney was pretty confident and adamant that he wanted Jay Donnelly to stay at Glen Torren. The early comments from Feeney on Donnelly indicate that he very much has Donnelly at the centre of his plans. And, and finishes like that, it, it is from close range, and, and it's a good setup, and it's a good finish from close range. And for me, from those sorts of areas, you need players that can deliver in those sorts of situations. And I think if, if Feeney is to perhaps prove some of his early doubters wrong at Glen Torren and, and be successful and, and get off to a good early start, I think Jay Donnelly is going to be right at the centre of that. Um, and it does hark back a bit from when Jay Donnelly was full of goals when he first joined Glen Torren. Um, he really took the mantle in that from that point of view and, and the combination that he had with Conor McManaman under Mick McDermott at, at the beginning of 21-22. And it really had Glenn Torin in a position of ascendancy, certainly up to about January, February. For me, I can understand why Warren Feeney has looked at Jay Donnelly and made him, on the face of it, a key part of his plans. And then obviously there's the competition that comes from, from Junior, who, who performed well in Europe. Um, he was unlucky to miss the penalty against the Maltese team, but his performances in general, he, he obviously hit back later in that game in Malta and scored. And his general all-round play. It indicates that he wants that competition between Junior and Donnelly that's going to push both players on. And if he can get both of them firing, I think that's going to be important, particularly at this stage of the season when you want to start well in a new job. They're very different players. I, I know for me, my instinct would be I, I prefer the big, strong broad junior but you also have a player in jed only who's been just thumping in goals for fun over the past few seasons and i imagine if you're a glenn torn fan a player like jed only can be quite frustrating is not the word but when you're in a game like that where the goals aren't coming you're you're frustrated by what you might see as his contribution to it jed only's there to to finish things off he's there to to make a bit of space and, and fire at home. And really, if there's a player that you're going to say, hey, you're the guy that really made this happen, it's a great bit of athleticism from Jay McCartan. And I know Glenn will be frustrated that the defender on him doesn't follow him, gives him that yard to chase down. And it's a greatly way to bowl in at a pivotal time. And you'll just want the goalkeeper to get on it and the other defender to get on it. But... It'll be interesting now because these are two teams that you look at the top of the pitch and you see a lot of skill and ability. But for Glentoran, there's still a question about striker. Do they need somebody in when games aren't working like we just saw there? And for Glenavon, they start with Aaron Prendergast up there. Great game for Tina Mulvena to get in. But I'm sure their fans will think as the season goes on, they'll want something more assured something with a bit more experience a player who can really nick a goal in a game like this where you set yourself up for potentially winning big and and stealing at the end the way Glen Torn did so Glen Torn will be buzzing they'll be flying this is exactly the type of game which didn't go their way last season I think they've got a lot of work to do still to make them this ruthless machine because you know that we saw it last season they can be ruthless and as we kind of alluded to, on another day, this doesn't go their way. And uh, I thought, good debut for Daryl Connor, a, a player who can also take the ball on, but also run into space and, and, and find it over the top. So with Glen Torn, there will be bigger tests to come. And I think as we'll talk about later on, a big one's coming this weekend. You asked for it and now it is here. It's not quite like a reopening of the championship cabaret for all you kick and match OGs but as we have Lewis here and it was also the first big game week of the Niffle Championship we're going to have a brief look at that as well. Six games, 12 teams looks very similar to what the top league is in 
and it might look a lot similar to a team who's actually spent a queer amount of time there over the past few years. They're the big boys in the league. Portadown are, are back in the championship and they did not make it easy for themselves this weekend. Before we get into all the results, Lewis, you're a very proud and out banger man. How does it feel to have your beloved Seagulls back at this level of football once again? I know top tier is the absolute dream, but I'm sure it must be good looking down at the fixture. Let's go in. We're going to Ards. We're going to Shamrock Park. Uh, and we're going to many other places that you haven't been to in Donkeys. We played our first game there at the weekend against Ballyclare Comrades, established team at this level. And, geez, 65, 70 minutes there. I mean, it was it was a level pegging. Like, we really went up there and we took the game to them. Led twice and probably could have had a couple of more. Couple more. And in the end, we were we were disappointed to lose the game. A far cry from from where Bangor once were, you know, talking five years ago, whenever we were starting out in the Ballymena League, and to be now in twenty twenty three back playing Championship football, it's a big deal, and the crowd reflected that there was a big away following at the game, and there's a lot of enthusiasm and optimism about what can be achieved for this season, and if we're disappointed about the result, then. That's fine by me. Like it's it'll be more concerning if we're getting turned over on the first game. Obviously, we've got the derby this week. I mean, first competitive derby in seven years. It's felt like way too long, and even longer since our last win. You know, it's over a decade, which, from my totally biased point of view, <laughs> is way too long, and we need to put it right. That is almost just a shame that that big first banger arts competitive North North Down derby. Was happening on such a busy Friday for many other games. That's just the way it falls. I'm sure I'll have a big bumper crowd anyway. And we'll, we'll, we'll go between a few things here, but Banger come up and they did they run hard in the PIL, but they get up the championship. I'm sure some people would potentially earmark them in. When you have a 12 team league, everything's quite tight. But some people may go banger coming up i'm sure they'll, they'll, they'll just be there to try and avoid relegation and establish themselves and i'm sure that's exactly what you guys want to do but i i think you guys will once you find your feet i, I think this will i don't know if you'll be up there competing at the very top but i think this will be you have know, good weeks and bad weeks but i think this will be a fairly steady affair rather than one that's full of difficulty and, and misery i think you've put together a, a team that's filled with spirit and uh, are really solid at this level. Yeah, that's what I'm picturing as well. Um, I think a top six finish, if we can finish in the top half, like that would that would be outstanding, I think. And the intention going into this league has not been to to kind of play on the back foot and, and sit defensively and let other teams come, up, come at us and, and try and soak them up. I mean, it is to go out and play. Um, and and that is the case with a lot of teams at this level. I think there's there's obviously different styles of play. There's a couple that's a bit there are a couple of teams that play a bit more grit and grind than others. It's that theme of consistency. It's it's being able to keep your levels up and and not get flustered when the going gets tough. And another point that's worth making, I think, is down in the lower leagues. I mean, the PIL kicks off this week. They started off on, on cup competitions last week. So with that sort of trickle down in terms of the talent that's going down from the premiership, I think that'll benefit in terms of creating the teams, the championship and, and the PIL will get even better, you know, in terms of the quality of players. I'm saying, you know, obviously Warren Point now down in the PIL. Some people from the outside in, you know, being that team that finished second in the championship last year, now going down to the third division, that they're going to, win the league and they're not going to stress much over it but I don't think that'll be the case I don't think that'll be the case for anyone bringing it back to old podcast favourites ported on I know plenty of you guys are listeners of the podcast and now is my time to give you a bit of shine they do go into this season absolute runaway favourites they have the squad that is like undeniably, I don't know their books, but has to be the biggest wage bill, has to be the team that has the most amount of 
premiership quality players a lot of experience a lot of skill i i would argue that it's it's definitely in the top 12 teams in this country based on just the squad alone of course now curry's job is to try and knit these all together and uh, there was a potential banana skin and going all the way to castle derg uh, and starting off poorly and they do go a goal down and then they're able to pull it back and there's drama at the end but Paul McElroy, what a what a brilliant striker and player he is. You've got Eamon Fife who was able to, you know, show glimpses of what he has with Coleraine, showed exactly what he can do at this level with Dundella Lassies, exactly why Coleraine took a flyer on him. You have Alan Sullivan, who scored some really important goals from last season. He's back down there with them. They've got Ross Redman, who was like the, the biggest assistant for Balamina last season down there. Keelan Coyle from Dungannon, who we talked about Lee Bonus picking the ball out from far, picking the net out from far away. He had a big, long launcher go in himself. So then the bench has Ryan Mays on it, and Lee Chapman and, and Dale Montgomery. You know, this is, and there's probably other players in there as well. So I think, I'm sure they'll put the play it down going, oh, we'll be their cup final. But Portadown have to run away with this or they have really messed up. The investment's there. Clearly now Curry's been back. We're going to see one Bradley in that team as well. So they've decided that we're going to go for it. Iron Hogs and Cole. I just keep seeing more names pop up. So they need to get off to a good start. And of course, I, I kind of expected Derby away to be the exact kind of an anskin that you could fall on so that that's that's a good start for them but if Portadown are the favorites and I think if you're going to do it in tiers I think Portadown are tier one and there might be like a gap and then there's the third tier but let, let's say it goes Portadown a tier on their own who are the teams that are going to make this difficult for the ports make this a season of stress and worry which I'm sure Portadown fans are, are very much used to who should they be looking out for Anna were great last season until they weren't and they couldn't buy when near the end of the season and then they almost do a miraculous victory against Dungana which then didn't happen. Ards are a team who can score lots of goals but as we even saw on Saturday they can concede a lot of goals and they have a couple of players people might know or see. They lose TJ Murray, they lose Adam Sally but they've kept Damon Scanelli score a load of goals um Jamal Dupree got a goal there he was on with Carrick last season and then they have George Tipton James McLaughlin's moved there experience so it's just going to be interesting what comes up Institute's going to find it difficult but if I was to pick out their main rivals it's probably got to be the Welders mainly because I think if you want to get out of this league you're going to need to have goals and from a player point of view I think you can look at all the goals that were scored by Matthew Ferguson last season Michael McClellan scored a bucket load over the past few years at this level they add in Parkhouse whatever you may think about him from his recent performances at, at this level he he should be very difficult for championship defences Johnny Fraser can cause trouble and they started awfully last season they were dreadful at the start of last season they bring in McKee and Boyd, they steady the ship very, very well. They run out 4-2 winners against Balnamal United at home. Job done there. Do you feel as though if anybody's going to trouble them, it's going to be the Welders? Or do you have a dark horse out there? I, I'd certainly have the Welders in the conversation. And, and for them to keep Matthew Ferguson, I thought was huge. And obviously he played such a big role in that comeback win against Balnamal they were 2-0 down in that game at home and I think he came off the bench and he scored two goals. I think he set up another. And you know, that's 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 just the influence that he has on the team. He he was second in the goal scoring race last season, and the Welders have done great work to to keep hold of him. You obviously mentioned Michael McClellan, who's he's an experienced campaigner. He's he's a good physical presence. David Parkhouse, as you say, dropping down to the championship level, you know, I still, I would still look at him as like a premiership level talent and they've good young players as well. You know, they've Oshin Barr, Jimmy Glover had actually moved there from, from Bangor and a couple of others. And, and as you say, Johnny Fraser, who who kind of played in behind the two strikers 
for a fair bit last season and, and is really energetic, uh, has, can pick a pass out. So, yeah, the well. Johnny Fraser is the type of player at this level that's the rarity. Oh, yeah. He, he's the type of player that's a rarity. He's composed, he's good on the ball, can pick out a pass, can have that bit of magic. Mercurial, that's why he's not up a division more, but he is not the type of player that you see. They're not dime a dozen at this level at all. Oh, absolutely. Um, and that's that is the thing about the Welders is that on paper they have goals all over the pitch and they have they have creativity all over the pitch. So I'm not expecting them to have issues in goal scoring and and certainly on the evidence of of their game against the Mallards, it, it certainly won't be. And other teams I look at, you know, even Ballet Clare, like their first season last year, their first full season under Stephen Small, and that's a good young team, Ballet Clare. And, and they play good football and they're high energy. Anna, you'd expect to be there or thereabouts. You've got Ryan Swan, who's came in from Warren Point and had a goal-scoring start. Um, Lee Upton, who came back to the club, scored against the Duns. Declan Carville, obviously, also coming in from Newry. There's, there's, there's a lot to like about Diana. Like, uh, for championship players, they've recruited very well. It, it, what looms over them and what probably makes them the automatic number two favourites to me is just how poorly they end last season look that club's been able to hover near the top for two seasons now they've been to two playoffs who's to say that they're not going to be the noisy neighbours of Portadown all season interesting stuff Go, going down towards the bottom of the league Institute struggled last season I, I, I know they won of the opening weekend but I, I don't think they'll have the same troubles I think they're getting better it looks to me it could be a class of one near the bottom. It's Doc Breeder just trying to pull a rabbit out of a hat this season. After somewhat upsetting Bolly McCash and holding them off in their own playoff last season. Is there, do you do you give any hope for Doc Breeder's safety this season? Uh well, we say this a lot about Knock Breeder is that they have a shelf life and yet they still somehow find a way to survive. So I don't think you can ever call anything too soon with them because you look at some of their survival exploits. Like last season, they were unexpectedly handed a playoff and made the most of it. Season before, they finished in the playoff and won it. The lockdown season, I think it was three points that they were awarded after an eligibility dispute. There'll be a few of them this season, no doubt. But they um they got three points for one. I think it was against Lock Goal that kept them that helped keep them up that that stayed them off the off the drop. So. They've tended to find a way, but also you could argue Anto Burns, who was a real talisman for not he was. the last season. has That's a big loss. Yes, absolutely. Um, and he was really, really crucial, I thought, in the first leg of the Blue Bell in the playoff. And he's now obviously joined Dundella. So that's a big void that the not are going to have to focus on filling. Ewan McCubrey is another one of the young talents at, at the Welders, um, who... I thought was also very impressive in the playoff. We say this about Nockbreeder. It is a case of can they find a way to survive? Uh, and yeah, it seems that they, they always have. So they'll be an interesting proposition because in terms of their style of play, they are quite a fast-paced team. They've got a young team. They do like to keep the ball on the ground and try and cause problems with their movement. So there'll be an awkward proposition, I think, for teams. They can also leave themselves open, as as is the case with a few teams at this level. So even other teams like that were at the bottom end last season, you talked about um, Portadown beating Derby. You know, Derby obviously had Mikhail Kennedy, who's, who's now went away to Crusaders and scored a third of their league goals last season. I think it was 17 he got in the league overall. Newington had lost Gary Warwick, who dropped down a division to go to Bally McCash, was was a top scorer in the PIL a couple of seasons ago, and was still finding the net for Newington at that level. But then they went and they won 3-1 at Ards, and uh, Zach Barr, who'd actually went the other way from Bally McCash to Newington, had, had scored in that game. So, as I say, you know, there's there's even the teams at the bottom end, they're, they're, they can still find a way to win, and... I don't think there's any team in this league that will will go in there and and look that they're not a championship class. It feels like the gap between fifth and tenth is not going to be that. But you know we we're so used to the top division where six is a dotted line, but it also feels like a a mile wide chasm in, in quality and skill. I I don't see this in this division. I see it where 
10th to 5th is not that far away. It's a couple of points, a bit of goal difference. It's ported down to lose, but they need to get the points on the board. And it'll be, it's just, it's kind of amazing to see the life that they may bring to the league as well. Seeing that big traveling support going all the way to Castle Derg on a somewhat bright Saturday afternoon must just be so different compared to what usually happens in that league and having a big team like that turn around the country could inspire other teams to get fans out there'll be plenty of big dramatic games that will be happening in that division um one or two sentences on the pil it's bigger this year we all know why 14 teams one point drops down and also filling in the places are rath ryland have come up as well as cook united ps and i stuck around it's a bigger league this feels like bally mccash and war point till the death or have you got got a good feeling about queens as well to stick their nose in again this season uh your first thought when you look at the league is war point being the team to drop down and you know given that they were probably planning on playing a premiership playoff and going down to that level and they have kept a lot of players Fran McCaffrey still there and, and Dylan Hand the winger is still there so it's, it's still a good team Stephen Ball always liked him it is it is yes yeah, Stephen Ball as well yeah it's a good team uh it is um and Bally McCash who've, who've I've mentioned Gary Warwick dropping down Benny Iggy on as well who uh, had played in the premiership reported on and has has always looked to me at least a championship level striker and somebody who can be a focal point. I mean, you look at those two teams and you'd expect them to to be up at the top end of the league. Bally McCash obviously will hope to go one better than they did last year when they finished second and, and got that playoff. Um, and Lemavati as well, getting guys like Graham Crown, formerly of Coleraine, Ian Parkhill, who was nominated for, for Player of the Year last year with Moyola, Moyola Park. Um, and Joe McCready, who they got from Dungannon, um, I think they could be in the dark horse category. Paul Owens is building a strong squad there, and um, they'll be looking at a promotion hunt um, for next season um, with a lot of youth in that team as well, a lot of energy as well. So they're a team that I possibly look at as as a team that can challenge, and even Moyola as well, like. I was chatting to a couple of people at Moyola and they're sort of taking a slightly different approach from this season with, with Ian Parkhill, who, who who was a real talisman for them, having departed the club. So they've taken a slightly different approach and, and got a couple of new players in that can suit the manager's style. And to add to that, they'll also be playing up at Coleraine on an Astro surface while work goes on at, at Mill Meadow and Castle Dawson. So it'll be interesting to see how, how they do. But certainly the PIL is quite a, an unpredictable league, and I think it is one that is is getting stronger for Warren Point coming down. I don't think it'll be a formality for them. I, I'd have them down as favourites probably, but you've got to work for every point that you get at that level. And and, and the new boys, obviously, Rath Ryland and, and Coke United and how they perform coming into the Irish League, Rath Ryland being the first amateur league team to come up uh, since Newington a, a decade ago. So how they perform from that level and, and if they can have the same success, even if, if Lee Newell has departed. The, yeah, a lot, a lot of intrigue at that level for sure. So before we look ahead to this weekend's fixtures, look, you know me, I make a lot of mistakes in this podcast and I hold my hands up. We all remember Balamina Gate from last season and I've had plenty of people who completely disagreed with some of my thoughts from last week. But can I gloat right now? Fourth, I am Lewis in the fancy football Irish League standings. I don't even know how well my Sunday Life team did. Fourth, very smug, very happy, very much spurred on by my belief in the lock-all experiment. Big Ferris, I was punch in the air when there was a penalty because I knew Big Ferris was going to stand over that and smash it in. Of course, my fall is impending, but if you would like to chase, if you just even want to try to chase me, you there is plenty of time still to join the Kick and Match Lister League on uh, the Niffle Fancy Football League. Go to my Twitter. You'll be able to find a link to it. The code is Kicking Match. Going over, I'm a football king, and let's go on to now 
completely ruining that streak of predictions, which all fantasy football is, by completely ruining this weekend's fixtures. We've got six games. What a novelty. And let's just start with the big one, shall we? Mega game already. I swear if this is as boring or even half as boring as last season, I am going to throw a temper tantrum on Twitter. Lorne have to save their season. Lewis, turn at the year. Well, they don't. Glentoran, Lorne, big match already. Glentoran get a win here. They've already got a five-point gap on last season's champions. This screams stalemate, but I'm really feeling the chances of one team. Do Are you feeling the chances of one team as we all sit around our computer or streaming device to watch this on Friday night? Or, of course, you can be there in person if you're, I don't know, a hipster or something. No, to be honest, no clear favourite for me in that one. I think you can expect a response from Lauren, first and foremost. Because Tanner Lynch had said in his post-match interview, it was unacceptable. He used that word, unacceptable, to describe the way that Lauren had concluded the Dungannon game. So I think Lauren will go into that game at the Oval properly fired up and looking to deliver a quick response. Glenn Torren have, have made a lack of starting seasons strongly in recent years. Lest we forget, they put four past Lauren at one stage. I think it was the end of October last year. So they do have the talent and quality within them to be able to, to deliver a knockout blow. I think it'll be tight. I think it'll be cagey. I don't think either team will be particularly willing to um, take risks, especially at this early stage when it's about building momentum. And I don't think either team will be maybe necessarily free-flowing, showing their skill in bursts, but not all out attacking football um, while they're still trying to feel their way into a new season. So I am going to predict, I'm sorry, Peter, a goalless draw. Ah, oh, don't do it to me. I don't know. I, I just believe this is Glenn Torn's game to win. I think they'll win the, the battle in midfield. Is Sule going to get a red card? Do it for the bounce, mate. But no, I, I can see Bonus Orion running away picking a goal out of nowhere but I, I think Lintorin are going to turn the screw build from deep and they're going to put Lauren under pressure and they'll not want that and I think this is probably going to be a 2-1 or potentially a runaway 3-0 um, I don't know if you saw this online Balomina are offering a deal to their fans where you can get three games for 30 quid which is obviously a great deal but you're also kind of signing up for potential torture and I'm, I'm paying for it even though you're getting a good deal and a part of this devil gauntlet as I described it near the start of the program against the best teams in the country is with Crusaders last week I backed Crusaders to win this league and I'm still trying to believe it particularly after that amazing performance against Rosenberg I think they're going to Balamina and it might not be flashy but I think they are taking care of business at the showgrounds I'm going to say it out loud. I think it's going to be 2-0. I'm going to go for the same. I know Crusaders had struggles in their away form last season, but in Europe, obviously, going to teams in Finland and and, um, and Norway and collecting draws in, in 90 minutes um, could show signs of, of, of an upturn in that respect. So, yeah, I'll go with you, Peter. 2-0 win for Crusaders. This is a really interesting game this early in the season. I'm so delighted I get to say this. Lewis, it's a battle of the top two in the league. It's Coleraine. They go to Lockall. And this is a big test for Lockall. How do they approach it? They're at home. Big atmosphere, no doubt. Tight pitch for Coleraine. Will they panic if they're not up and running early in this game? I think Lockall could keep it tight. But I kind of think this is a 2-0 to Coleraine. And they, the goals might come late. But I think Lockall will do a good performance, but the result will read good for the Bandsiders, and two wins out of two would look pretty good for Oren Kearney's men. Yeah, I'd go for the same boat. Um, I think Lockall will keep it tight. Um, I think last season of the championship, they were, Barrett Turker was the runaway leader for clean sheets in the division, and I think Lockall was set up to be disciplined and organised in their shape. Um, but then of course Coleraine with a player like like Shevlin who who can who can pick out a goal from even the even the smallest scraps in the penalty area, provided that he has the service. Um, I just think he'll find a way. So I'm going for ooh, 
I'm going 2-1. I think Lock Gold will neck a goal, but Corey and win. I can see it. I can see it. Cark Rangers host Newry, their first game of the season. I mean, Cark have just been like thumping the goals in this preseason. They know it oh, it doesn't always mean a lot, but they have just been scoring for fun. They scored for fun against Banbridge last weekend, keeping themselves on their toes. Newry go into this game trying to put the pieces together, trying to get their season rocking and rolling, and I just don't think it's going to happen here. I think Carrick are going to be fit. I think they're going to be organised, and I think they're going to run away with this. I, I, a lot of people are jumping on the Murray or our relegation fought already. I don't believe that, but I do think this is going to be potentially upwards of 3-0 Carrick. I think they'll they'll boss this. Yeah, Carrick have obviously done great work. Um, Stuart King is still in charge after a very good season last year, and they've added the likes of Andy Mitchell and on a permanent deal and Albert Watson and Danny Perkis to their ranks. So, again, they're pursuing that sort of full-time Irish League market players that are perhaps available from those top clubs um, who can who can perform for them at this level. And yes, I would fancy Carrick as, as favourites. Again, I think Nuri will be wanting to to give a response. So I'm going to go 2-0 Carrick. Cliftonville hosts their first game of the season. They have not had a great summer, it's fair to say. I do like Ben Wilson in that attack. How are they going to go without Ives? In come Glenavon. This feels as though it should be a Cliftonville win. I think Glenavon are going to make it difficult for Cliftonville at home. Do you agree? Yes, I agree. Um, Glenavon, obviously, with that great record, um, tending to pr- produce their best up against the big six teams. But I, I just have a feeling about Cliftonville and, and, and Ben Wilson has had a, a strong start in preseason. So I'm going to go for him to get a couple of goals and uh, a 2-1 win for Cliftonville and Jim Magilton's first uh, game in charge. I'm going to go for 2-2. I, th- I think this could be very, very, very open. Dungannon, host Limfield. I think they are going to be confident. Limfield have been at 6 and 7s all preseason at the back. Dungannon know what their attack's going to be. Balls over the top. Can they deal with it? It would be a massive shock for the Swifts to get anything from this game. And I think, despite Linfield's woes at the back, I've been impressed by what they can do up front. And I think they may huff and they may puff, but I think they'll get the goals. 2-1 Linfield here. I think it could be tighter than usual, but Linfield just seemed to have a way of against Dungannon. Their record against them is very good. And... Obviously, with a guy like Matthew Fitzpatrick, who's coming into competitive action for them in the league, having signed from Glenavon, I think he'll be keen to make a big impression. So I am going to go for 3-1 Linfield, Matthew Fitzpatrick to score a couple. Fantastic. It has been a delight to have you on, Lewis. Thank you everybody that's tuned in. Obviously, go online to find out bits and pieces about this pod. But if you like the things that Lewis was chatting, he's a writer. He's big on Twitter. Work and they enjoy your musings 24-7, five days a week on the website formerly known as Twitter. So you can follow me at uh, BennettLewis75, that's my Twitter handle. And you can also check out my blog, which is www.footballchatters.co.uk. And finally, I asked two other guys last week to predict who they think are going to be champions. They still believe Lauren. After seeing Lauren, seeing Glenn Torn, over the first weekend and a couple of the European performances, do you have a horse you would like to publicly back in this race for Gibbo? It's tight, isn't it? Um, I'll go Linfield. I'll be boring. Go for Linfield. I think I think I'll be a surprise. It was pretty much split in the poll last week. Thank you for voted last week on the poll. There'll be a, a new poll which we'll talk about on next week's podcast. We will be back next week. But a split. A lot of people split between the the big teams. Maybe not so much Cliftonville and Coleraine, but it has got an interesting season ahead. I think that's what's in store for us all. But Lewis, thank you very much. Until next time, enjoy Clanny Boy Park and all the other places that you will go this season. I look forward to chatting to you soon. But until then. I founded you. Pleasure, Peter. Thank you. First one of the new season proper once have kicked off in the bag. Today, you were listening to this when this podcast came out, is one year to the day when I first released my very first kicking match episode. Hey, time flies when you're stressing like mad but podcast every week it's great to be back it's very nice 46 episodes in a year 
Um, absolutely amazing. I still love it. Hope you guys do as well. If you listen to this and are thinking, you know what? I don't think I'd mind listening to this guy chat to random knowledgeable people about the games that happened over a weekend and Harshik football. I think I could do this weekly. You are in luck, my friend, because that is exactly what I do. If you haven't already, you can go, you can subscribe or follow whatever the term is on Spotify. There's a button in there. You'll get me notifications. You'll get it as soon as I do it. Me while it's in this hands-free, you can just go, hey, you have one of those smart speakers, just call out your smart speaker's name and say, hey, please play Kicking Match, an Irish League podcast. And of course, if you want a bit more action, you want to have a bit more crack every hour of the day, except when I'm sleeping, go onto all the social media platforms. Instagram, got a call Twitter, there's Facebook as well. Do all those things. It's Kicking Match across the board. All of your teams are playing. If you're a top flight fan, looking forward to it all. Irish League is back. Let's go. Enjoy your football. See you next week.